This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Dr- oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> You're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go to So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Anna's Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anna's Cantor, and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Down to Dunk Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Fleck. With me, John Hamm. John, how are you? I am miffed and peeved. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's start it off. What, what, are you so, what are you so miffed about? What are you, what's peeving you? So, uh, I guess what? Yesterday or the day before, I get an email that someone tried to reset my iCloud password. Oh, my God. So, out of an abundance of caution, I go through and change my password because, you know, that's what you should do. And by the way, every password ever known to man has been stolen by somebody at some point. If I ever lose my Yahoo password, I'm just going to ask the internet. <laughs> someone, uh, someone got my Skype account or hacked into my Skype account and sent a message to everyone in my contact. Yeah, I, I just got your offer uh, when, pretty, when I logged on. Pretty embarrassing. There's some, there's some, uh, some people that I would not want to send messages like that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in my bleacher report, I had to reset my password on that too. So anyway, I went through and I reset my iCloud password. It's turned my world upside down. Um, I, I've spent the better part of yesterday and today sorting out issues with keychain on my Mac and iMessage and trying to get everything set up back to where it was. It should not be this difficult. It is 2017 for crying out loud been there man just getting a new computer or getting oh yeah is is the worst it's the best and the worst (laughs) it is so bad yeah i had to go through and do like surgery on my mac and delete the keychain folder and start over again just for a stinking password change it's uh i'm so over it so over it let's talk about something positive now john let's okay let's let's do that demolished uh the chicago bulls on Monday. Most of the Chicago Bulls. Yes. Uh, luckily for the Thunder, Jimmy Butler was sick. I don't know <laughs> why he played 28 minutes and 48 seconds in that game. It made no sense. Uh, he missed I have all no his idea. shots. He looked, first he looked, I was oh, like, I, man, Robertson is really killing him. Like, Robertson <laughs> is really shut down Jimmy Butler. <laughs> so he just doesn't even look right. He must be in his head. Uh, but then the report came out that he was sick. And I saw that before the game you know, that, that he was sick and was going to try to play. And cause yeah, he was, I think in his previous six games, he was averaging almost 35 points a game. Yeah. They'd be coming like the in Cavs and the Raptors and the Hornets. I think the three games yeah. before uh, they played the thunder. So yeah, it, uh, he shouldn't have been out there. He, he honestly shouldn't. And, and this is one of these things that's kind of my wife's pet peeve because like he was running a fever early that morning. Yeah. So he's out there on the basketball court, just spreading his illness to everyone else. Surprise so I didn't get it. No kidding. Yeah. He, he so, might I mean, yeah. If, if you're sick, don't play. Yeah. I, I understand if it's a playoff game, you know, there's comp, you know, huge implications, but a, a random regular season game get well. Yeah. For real. Uh, Joffrey, I guess had been sick the past, you know, week or so. And he didn't, he hadn't yeah. played much because of that. So 
Good job. Yeah. Good job, Billy. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Joffrey doesn't have to play anyways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Thunder, I think it was one of their best games of the season. Offensively, everything was clicking. Uh, Cantor's passing, obviously, has been a, a revelation. Uh, Steven Adams was just a monster. Uh, he's he's able to really he's finding seams in the defense and he's able to get up for those lobs that it, it felt like teams had taken those away at the beginning of the season but uh, the Thunder have found those again and I think also like the improved spacing with the Thunder has helped I think teams have to guard Sabonis teams have to guard uh, Victor Oladipo uh, the Thunder they're they're not a good three point shooting team by any stretch but when you have guys like uh, Sabonis Oladipo Abrinas that can space the floor, uh, it's really, really helpful. So the Thunder, they were really playing well, and it's good because they played maybe their worst game of the season against the Grizzlies, and they play them tonight. And you hope that to see a better version of the Thunder than we did like a week and a half ago. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, we've seen Cantor. I mean, teams just collapse on them. You, you think about, you know, early in the season, you pack the paint, and dare Russell Westbrook to, you know, force up a shot or kick it out to a shooter. And now, you know, with them really focusing on starting inside and going out. Yeah. When, when the bigs are getting the ball, defenses are doubling and tripling. And I understand the reason for that too, because Oklahoma said he can't shoot, but uh, you know, it, it's working well enough at this point, it would really be nice to have like one more knockdown shooter, but we've been wanting that for a long time. Yeah. So it's <laughs> been the request of the thunder for years now, <laughs> <laughs> but they're making it, they're making it work. And I think that the Grizzlies are kind of a good barometer for the thunder because I think that they're, they're different teams, but I think that they are kind of on the same level. Um, so it'd be good for th- the Thunder to get a win tonight. Uh, also to keep them on track for the six wins in January that we thought that they were going to get. <laughs> uh, they need to win tonight. Well, yeah, because they lost at Milwaukee. We thought that was a game they would win. Yes. Um, and they should have. Probably should have. So this was a game that we looked at and said, probably going to lose this one. So they need to make one up. And tonight they certainly could do it. Now, I mean, I think Memphis is really good, especially like a fully healthy Memphis team. Um, so we'll see. They uh, I, maybe Oklahoma City. They, I mean, they're talking like that, you know, that the last game disrespected them and, and burned them to their core and all that fun stuff. So maybe they'll come out a little bit uh, on edge tonight. Yeah. Whatever you have to tell yourself, Andre, to get yourself. I know. Poor <laughs> <to do it. laughs> so athletes are just the funniest people sometimes, you know, yes. the way they have to motivate themselves. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, our hot hand player of the week has to be Ennis Cantor. He has been an absolute monster. On Monday, he put up 20 and 11. He had three assists. Uh, he shot 9 of 11 from the field. Uh, he was just killing the Bulls along with Steven Adams. So he's our hot hand player of the week, sponsored by Anchor Down. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside in Oklahoma City. If you have a chance, go to Anchor Down, uh, go to the patio. They have a great patio right outside. Grab yourself a corn dog, grab yourself a beer. Great place to go for lunch. Great place to go to watch the game tonight. That's on national television. It'll be on several screens. Uh, go check it out at Anchor Down. We have yeah, some. the great thing about, oh, go ahead. about Cantor, yeah, I'm, I'm looking back his previous 11 games. He's averaging 17 points and almost eight rebounds a game. Mm-hmm. And that includes one game where he had only two points at Milwaukee. That's impressive. 
Dude is dude is doing some work. He is. He's he's been impressive, and there's been some stuff going around that's super negative about Cantor, and I just don't really get it. I mean, he's been very yeah. helpful to this team. I almost think that the Thunder, like, I thought you know at the beginning of the season they're they need to trade this guy. He has two skills, and those are you know rebounding and scoring, and that's fine. But if you can't have more than those two skills, and the Thunder just need to trade him and get somebody that can help. Uh, but now that he's developed a passing game, he needs to play. And I don't think the Thunder can really afford to trade him because I don't think they can get proper value for him. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, um, you know, probably more in the TQs. But, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. And, and, I mean, credit to Billy Donovan and the coaching staff mm-hmm. for, you know, really carving out a role for him that makes sense because um, – uh, otherwise, I, I think yeah. If we were kind of if we were taking last year's Ennis Cantor and applying him to this year's team, you're right. Probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But with moving this, you know, so much offense through him and some of these other skills that he's developed, I mean, that that's a credit to the coaching staff. Yeah, no kidding. Let's just go ahead and ask that TQ. It's from JD Silva underscore. Is Cantor's trade value going up with his improved passing? If so, how much? Oh, I mean, it, it probably doesn't hurt. Um, but I mean, as you know, like Ben Golliver mentioned, and as others have mentioned, um, there's there's a lot of guys kind of like Cantor that could be had, um, and there's not a huge demand across the league for this type of a player. So um, I don't know that that's such that's such a tricky thing. I st- I feel like you know at this point he's he's sort of the the kind of player. And at his salary, that if the right deal comes along for the right type of player that he's put in, but you don't, you know, you and I've talked about exchanging him for a couple of role players in the past. I think we're past that point. Yeah, he's still young. He's developing. His contract is looking better every day. I don't think he has a ton of trade value, like you said. I just don't think. I mean, just look across the league and find me a team that one doesn't have a big guy, and two can afford to have a big guy that you really can't defend. And that fit is just really difficult. And I just think that the Thunder, that he's worth more to the Thunder uh, than he is to maybe a lot of other teams. And, yeah, you're right. Unless it's a part of, like, a big package to get, like, a superstar where they just need to match salaries and, you know, they value Cantor some, but, you know, they throw in, you know, some bonus or they throw in Payne or whatever, uh, Robertson, to get, like, a bigger piece. I think that makes sense. But... I don't think that the Thunder trade him just to trade him. Uh, he's he's become too valuable. And even with Cameron Payne coming back, they're still running the second unit offense through him, and it's working. So, yeah, I don't and think they can trade him. I feel like I feel like Cantor would fit in. I mean, just you know, take salaries out of the equation here for a moment. He would fit in with the Clippers as that backup big man off the bench behind Griffin and, and Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, which is very similar to the role he's playing in Oklahoma city. Um, he would fit in in San Antonio, especially with this newfound passing ability. That's true. again, behind Gasol behind Aldridge as yeah. that third big man. Or I think he would fit in on a team like Phoenix that desperately needs, you know, some points near the basket, you know, yeah. but that would be a bad team that would be playing him 30 plus minutes and wouldn't really care, mm-hmm. you know, about the defensive deficiencies. Um, I feel like he could work next to Al Horford in Boston, 
potentially. Um, so I, there are other places that, again, I think either going to another team and, and doing the same role that he is or going to a lesser team that just needs to score a bunch of points. Yeah. Phoenix is interesting. They're, they're another tough team to make a trade with because they have a bunch of young guys that would play the same position as Cantor and would they want to invest in Cantor or invest in like Bender or these other guys. They also have Tyson Chandler. I don't know. That's a, they're a weird team. That it's very weird. Um, direction. Yeah. And, you know, Tyson Chandler, I think, has been kind of I think it's been buyer remorse on both sides for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex Lynn, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how they feel about him. Obviously, they, they like Marquise Chris. Um, yeah. Bender, they've been using him like it's small forward for the most part. Um, but obviously, I mean, these guys aren't going to develop unless they play. So. Let's uh this is probably a question we're gonna spend a lot of time on from Walrus Muse. Uh Dustin did the song for the beginning of our podcast and helped us out a lot uh whenever we transition to Daily Thunder. So shout out to Dustin. You should follow him on Twitter. Really good follow, really awesome dude at Walrus Muse asked, truly, is Adams a top ten center? And I thought this was interesting. I think most people just kind of assume, yes, of course he is. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of good centers in the league. Let's go, let's go through this list. And I want you to tell me if you think that Steven Adams is better than a particular player. Uh, Marcus, okay. Marcus Gasol. Uh, no. DeMarcus Cousins. No. DeAndre Jordan. <sighs> I'm going to say no, but I'm I, that I feel like is closer than maybe people think. Yes. No today. Maybe yes next season. True. Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Um, I mean, I'm pausing on this just simply because Carl Anthony Towns defense is so bad. Yes. <laughs> but. He's really bad on that end. Um, I, I'm still going to say that, no, I, I, I think in a vacuum, I, I still think Carl Anthony Towns over Stephen Adams. Yes. Al Horford. I'm going to take Horford. Yeah. So we're up to five now. So I would say that he's not a top five center today. Uh, next. And, and really, that depends on Anthony Davis. How do you classify him? Let's put him as a power forward, at least, Okay, for this conversation. I think he should be a center, but he plays... He's been playing more center this season, but I think that he has... He also plays a lot of power forward, so it's kind of tough. Yeah. Hassan Whiteside. I would take Adams over Whiteside. I would, too. And I know, you know, I don't know, people are going to run up a bunch of stats at me, Um I think it's really cool that he rebounds like he does on a really bad Miami team and, you know, blocks a bunch of shots. I, I'm going to take Adams over Whiteside. Yeah, good stats, bad team, and he never he's never really won anything. He's kind of has a bad attitude. Uh, he, did, he put up great stats against the uh, Warriors last night, but uh, Adams destroyed him whenever they played. So, yeah. Uh, Dwight Howard. I would take Adams over Howard. Okay. 
I, I don't know if that's a I scorching hot take. I don't know that that's – I think that Dwight might be a little bit better of a player right now, but I don't think that's going to last long. It might even it might not even last through the season. Uh, Howard's, Howard's been good for Atlanta, but he also comes with – kind of in the same white side conversation, comes with some baggage. Yeah, so right now I've kind of got like DeAndre, Dwight Howard, and Hassan Whiteside sort of in that same tier. Yeah. So. Uh, Rudy Gobert. I would take Gobert. Okay. Uh, Andre Drummond. <sighs> That's tough. That is tough. That's tougher than I thought it would be. Let me let me look up something here. Because I know Drummond, obviously he's got the free throw issue. Although it's better than it was last season. I mean, 15 points, 13 boards. He's also a uh, of a defender, as you would think. Yeah. He was an all-star last year the Eastern Conference. I don't think he's got a shot to be an all-star this year. I could be wrong. No, it doesn't seem like it. Uh, I, okay, I, I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna lean towards Adam. Okay, I think that's arguable. Um, it is. It's debatable. Uh, Nicole Jokic. That's another one. Hmm. My initial thought is is Jokic. Yeah. He just seems to oh, he's he's so much better all around. He's awesome. He's just he's he's a much much better offensive player. Adam yeah. is really a better defender than he is and is more mobile than he is, but uh Jokic Jokic could be an all-star type guy. I mean, he he puts up insane numbers and can score from almost anywhere on the court and can handle a little bit. A great passer. If he can figure it out defensively, he's like a he's a cornerstone piece. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I'm going to put Jokic above. Okay. Uh, Valanciunas. I think I like Adams more than Valanciunas. Yeah, I do too. He's slow. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of him. I don't think his offensive game is that great. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's a top ten center. Uh, Tristan right. Thompson. No, I like Adams over Thompson, yeah. and that's. I mean, I, I, yeah, I like Tristan, but he's. Uh, I, I think Adams can do more than than Tristan can do. Uh, Miles Turner. Let me double check on Miles here. That is probably going to. How come he's not on Basketball Reference? <laughs> he, I guess he quit NBA yesterday. I guess he did. No, I'm searching for searching for Miles, and he's not coming up. Has he got a different name? Is his name Enrique? Let me try Enrique. Enrique Turner. Enrique Turner, maybe. Oh, because I was spelling Miles incorrectly. My mistake. Um, that one's, boy, that one's almost a toss-up. I don't know about the defensive stats on Turner. Plus, he's 20 years old. Yeah. I think you could say for sure right now Adams is better than Miles Turner. Uh, I think there's a good chance Turner blows past him. 
I do too. Yeah. Okay. I would say at this point in time, probably Adams slightly over Turner, but that's not going to last long. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. So our list, uh, Brooke Lopez, last guy. Oh, I'm still going to take Adams over Lopez. Yeah, me too. Okay, so the guys that we think are better, I think he is our eighth best center. So Gasol, Boogie, DeAndre, Towns, Horford, Gobert, Jokic, and then we have Adams. And behind Adams, we have Andre Drummond, Hassan Whiteside, Dwight Howard, Valanciunas Thompson, Miles Turner, and Brooke Lopez. There's a lot of good centers, so, man. There's a lot of good centers. There are. And so it, it's not all that different from the NBA, where you've got like four really good teams. You've got a bunch of teams that are there in the middle and, and then a few that are really bad. So yeah. um, I think Steven Adams is right there with a bunch of guys that are, you know, for all intents and purposes, I wouldn't say they're interchangeable because um, obviously, you know, players are playing different roles at different teams, et cetera. But I think he's right there in the middle with, you know, with, with a bunch of them. And, you know, like, again, a guy like Miles Turner, we expect is going to emerge from that group before you know it. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And then Gobert is really, he's, I don't know, I think he and Adams are really close. Um, if Drummond can become a better defender, I think that, that that he could be better than Adams. But uh, so I think for sure Stephen Adams is a top 10 center. It's going to, a lot of people think that he's like going to be top five. I just think it's going to be really hard with the guys like Towns and Jokic and Turner. Like all those guys are getting better. I guess yeah. you can see a fall off from Gasol and DeAndre and Al Horford, um, and he may he may you know Adams is developing and is getting better um, all the time. So you could, I don't know. I think that he could possibly be a top five center, but I think he's probably in the eight to ten range right now. Yeah, that sounds that sounds reasonable. I think. Um, and Rudy, yeah, twelve point three points and rebounds per game, shooting sixty six percent from the field and. Could very well be a defensive player of the year. So, yeah, he's good. He's really he's good. really good. Yep, and he's he's probably the most freakish looking guy on the court. <laughs> no doubt, it's insane. And um, so, yeah, he's he's got a offensive rating. This is according to Basketball Reference. Um, who, for those that don't quite understand, they calculate possessions a little bit differently than NBA.com. Mm-hmm. Um, his offensive rating is one twenty seven this season. <laughs> and his defensive rating is 98. Oh, my Lord. It's a 29, 29 point swing between the two. It's pretty good. Yep, not bad. <laughs> not bad. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, next one from Thunder Theology at Thunder Theology. Why does Dre shoot so many threes? Grant shoots far less from three when he plays small forward. Dre should, and then he comments Dre should shoot threes just less in my opinion so let's go and look at the shooting stats on Robertson um 45 percent of his shots are three-point attempts 55 percent therefore are two-point attempts 
and like 47% of those shots are within three feet of the rim. Mm -hmm. So he is, I mean, he is the human embodiment of the Houston Rockets, either a layup or a three. Yeah. Except he misses way, way more than he should. Right. (laughs) Way more than the Rockets do. Yeah, this is true. Um, A, he's being left open. He's going to have to take those shots, even if he misses. Um, I, even if he stepped in and, you know, a, a foot or two inside the three point stripe, I don't, I don't think the odds, you know, get much better. You'd probably still rather him take the three for the potential bonus point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I think this is kind of a, you take what the defense gives you. And unless Robertson is playing power forward and he's the one setting the pick, like what else is he supposed to do on offense? I mean, he's not a, like, he's no, no, uh, he's not any kind of decoy. Like he's not going to be like running around screens and like no one's going to follow him. Everybody would be like, "What's Andre doing?" Um, yeah, he he's a guy that needs to stay there. And and if his man cheats off of him enough, and Cantor has found him a few times like this, where he can make a cut to the basket, I think that makes sense. But other than that, like the guy's, if he's wide open, he's got to take that shot. He just has to, or else he just becomes even more of a non-threat. And I know that he's not shooting well from there, but you know he's he he's got to develop that, and he's got to have more confidence. And he's hit some big threes for OKC this season. There are some games like against the Knicks and a few other teams where if he doesn't hit his three, um, the Thunder probably don't win. So he's he just kind of is who he is, and he's got to take what the defense gives him. And usually, it's just a whole lot of space. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so from within three feet, he's shooting 65%. From three to 10 feet, he's shooting 7%. <laughs> Probably not on too many shots, though. Probably not on many shots. No, only like 6% of his shots come from that range. Yeah. Uh, from 10 to 16, he hasn't hit a shot. And I don't, he's probably uh, like point zero or, or yeah. Point four of his shots come for that distance. He's probably taken one or two all season. Um, 16 feet to the three-point line, he's shooting 20%. So 28% from three, 20% from 16 feet to the three-point line, you're better off having him just step back and, and, and attempt that three. What is he from the corner? Uh, that's I'm not seeing that here on basketball reference. Do they have shot charts? It should be in his shooting. Uh, all the way to the right. Uh, okay, I'm on the team stats. Let me click over. Because he's hitting. It's not loading for me. That's why I'm, that's why I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me go to his shooting for 16, 17. I should know this as much as I do this. Um, <laughs> shot distance, shot type. Oh, I just got it. He's 28% from the corners as well. Very good. Okay. <laughs> Last season he was thirty six percent from the corners, which was very respectable, but uh has not gone as well for him. Uh Jeremy Grant like to answer the Jeremy Grant part. Grant loves to do a lot of things with the ball and he also loves mm-hmm. to dunk and he wants to put himself mm-hmm. in position to dunk a lot. Uh and he does that. So that's why he's not taking as many threes. Um but Grant's been good from three. His his three point, he's at thirty eight percent from three on the season. He's taken one and a half, about one and a half per game. 
So I'd, I'd like to see him put it up a little bit more than he has been uh, if he's going to shoot at that rate. So, And Grant from the corners is 50% currently. Uh, not on a ton of shots, but still, he's he's been good. Um, and I kind of agree that I think that he should take uh, he should take more three pointers, but his love for dunking uh, probably won't allow that. Yeah, and and you just you you nailed it. I mean, Jeremy has the ability to put the ball on the floor. Sometimes it is, you know, he's like a bull headed towards a red target. You know, it's. <laughs> yeah. um, it's either a dunk or it's a fall down on his butt shot attempt at the rim in the paint, it seems like. But, um, yeah, he, he's got that ability. And Andre, we've seen him handle the ball like on the break some, but he's just he, he's never looked terribly comfortable at, you know, usually a he doesn't get a chance to pump fake and drive to the rim. Yeah. Um, and, and he doesn't look quite as comfortable as Jeremy does. Next question from goth thvg as a russ stat truther does mr ham think that will slash should does does mr ham think that will slash should diminish russ's mvp vote oh i i don't think so um this this is tricky because I mean, I feel like if we watched every Houston Rockets game, we would find indications of where James Harden was sneaking in to get a rebound or, you know, getting an extra assist. Because, yeah. again, I've I've talked about this a lot. Um, I've talked about stat stuffing on the radio. And, and I remember a story that I read or, or I heard in a podcast where Kevin Love talked about when he was in Minnesota and Bill Lambeer was an assistant coach. Lambeer told him, said, you can get an extra rebound or two per game by if there's an end of quarter shot, you know, usually it's a heave, run down, get the basketball, take it to the scores table and let them know you got the rebound. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in various forms across the league, there there are stat stuffing going on. So, um, you know, my thing has been with Russ. Yeah, it's going on. No, it's not hurting the team. So until it does or until I see teammates, you know, throwing things because they don't get an extra rebound or two, um, I'm not going to get too worked up about it. I know some national people have kind of brought this up too. Tim Bontemps, you know, brought this up um, when Russ came back in in that Chicago game, Mm -hmm. although other starters came in with him. And and of course, I I popped off a smart aleck remark about it, too. Um, (laughs) But other starters came in with him. Yeah, um, came back in with him. And I think I think Dre was in towards the end of that game as well, if I'm not mistaken. And he still wasn't uh, like gunning for the for the rebounds or anything. Like he just needed two more rebounds, and he got one. And he didn't seem to be dissatisfied. Well, and and then the potential tenth one, he was right by Adams when Adams got the rebound. I mean, he could have very well, you know, went and snagged that, and Adams wouldn't have said anything about it. So. And I don't think it was a I don't think it was a case where Russ thought he had ten rebounds already because I do believe that guy knows at all times <laughs> what his numbers are. So um, anyway, just th- th- it's a lot of words, but to say I, I don't think it's going to hurt MVP candidacy. I think what will hurt the most is what Oklahoma City's record is going to be. Yeah, exactly. And he wouldn't even be in the MVP conversation 
on a mediocre West team if he wasn't putting up triple doubles. Yeah. A lot of people exactly. Like, well, it's such an arbitrary thing. Well, yeah, it, of course it is, but it's also something that is recognized like nearly every day. And that's like a part of why what he's doing is so special is because he is hitting this arbitrary point where he's got uh, the triple double. And I yeah. just think that that's a, I don't know, it's a strange argument. Uh, he's not he's not terribly efficient, but he's been more efficient than he has been in the past. And his usage rate is through the roof. And mm-hmm. you think with that usage rate up that he should be less efficient, but it's been the opposite. And so he deserves a ton of credit for what he's doing. And you're right, it's going to come down to the record. And, uh, and Houston's going to have a much better record. And at this point, I'd be kind of shocked if anybody but James Harden won the MVP uh, and that's just kind of what happens in Mike D'Antoni's system. When you have the perfect players for Mike D'Antoni's system, uh, look at, I mean, Steve Nash won back-to-back MVPs. Yeah. And he wasn't the best player in the NBA uh, mm-hmm. either of those years. Well, not, one not year really Shaq. Close. Yeah. Shaq should have got it one year. Yeah. And Kobe should have gotten it another year. I mean, like, those yeah. guys were the best players in the league at that point. And, you know... Steve Nash puts up these crazy numbers and the Suns win a ton of games and you know this is like this is what Mike D'Antoni does whenever he's given you know the proper tools to to make his team go and you know that's fine I mean I just think I think that Harden's probably going to win it I think that Russ is going to get a ton of attention for it um so it, I don't know I th- I I just think that that's the way that it's going to go unless OKC is able to rip off a ton of wins and if OKC gets like 55 somehow by <laughs> some sort of magic I just don't think that'll happen but if that happens yeah. I think the conversation is a lot more interesting but I think OKC will win between 45 and 48 games and you know when Houston wins 60 just the conversation just won't be that long Right. And I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, narrative plays so much. And and I know narrative is sometimes used as a negative word. But in this case, I'm talking about like, you know, actual stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Steve Nash won that first MVP. I believe the Suns won 60 games that year. I think if if I recall correctly. And then the fall. So he won the MVP the following year is when Amari was lost for basically the entire season. Um, Joe Johnson was traded. And the Suns still won like 54 games, I think. And so there was this kind of like, well, the MVP kept his team afloat, you know, through all of this turmoil. And and that's how he got toward, you know, the second year. Um, I do think that there could be some people that are like, OK, James should have got the award two years ago. We're going to make it up to him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. And this isn't to detract from Harden because to me, I I say flip a coin between he and Russ. Quite honestly, yeah. Um, I think if you put Russell Westbrook on that Houston Rockets team with under Mike D'Antoni, he would also be just you know jaw droppingly amazing. Yeah, um, I agree. So, you know, uh, to me, it, it, it doesn't matter a whole lot. Obviously, only one of them gets the hardware, but they're both just so special. Yeah. Yeah, and you're you're right with like switching teams. I mean, the Thunder have ten guys under twenty five. They're developing a bunch of young guys. They're starting a rookie, uh, and they're integrating a bunch of players that haven't been on the team. And Houston's doing that same thing, but they have all these vets. They have all these shooters. It's like the perfectly designed team for Harden and for Mike D'Antoni's offense. And of course, they're going to win more games like that. Uh, the Thunder are still really just figuring stuff out. 
and reshaping their roster. Um, so that just kind of is what it is. And you can almost that that's an argument for Russ is that Russ is doing right. all this, you know, with a rookie power forward and all these super young guys and guys that are not even close to their primes yet. And he's still, you know, putting up wins and putting up crazy numbers and, you know, his assists should have fallen uh, whenever Ibaka and Durant left, but they, they haven't. And he's really, you know, using his teammates in, in good ways and knows where guys are going to be. So I, I don't know. I think it is an interesting conversation, but wins usually trumps, uh, you know, numbers by the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big factor in it. We'll uh, answer one more question and then we'll be done from Austin S1027. Is the best thing to do with pain boost his stock, boost his stock as much as possible, then use him as part of a package to move up in the draft? Um, I mean, that's certainly an option. Um, unless, uh, you know, something materializes before the trade deadline. Um, and, you know, I've, I've thought about this a lot. Um, obviously, we're, we're looking at some sort of a trade going down by the trade deadline. Um, but if the right deal doesn't materialize, and I still think the team's going to make a trade before then, but at the draft would be, you know, another great opportunity, probably the best opportunity for massive change on this team. So, you know, campaign very well. If something doesn't materialize by the trade deadline, playing through the rest of the season, and then you know by the draft, now you've got that and your 2017 pick and other assets, you know, to try to shop around to make something impactful happen. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I like Cameron Payne. I think he fits a need on this team currently. Uh, he's he's been playing pretty well since he's been back, and the Thunder just need a real backup point guard. I think Samaj did a fine job. Uh, but he's just not – he's barely an NBA player. Uh, he's a third-string specialist. Yeah, he's a, good, he's a good defender, and if you need somebody to come in and play defense alongside Russ or whoever, uh, he can come and do that. But I don't, he's not good at running the offense, and he can't shoot, and his shot selection is pretty poor. Uh, but Payne, I mean, he, he has gravity. He knows that he can get anywhere on the court that he wants. He's he can shoot the ball. He can get to the basket. I, I really like him, and I, I would I would much rather see the Thunder hold on to him than trade for Rudy Gay or anything like that. So I I, I like him, and I think the draft idea is good because the Thunder have their pick this year, and if they can, you know, find somebody that needs a point guard and you know tie those two together, then they may be able to move into like the top you know 10 or 12 or whatever mm-hmm. yeah it's certainly possible and uh, i mean obviously i've written a lot about you know rudy gay i've talked a lot about it um i i'm still not completely convinced that that is not like part of a leverage move like get the rudy gay talk out there to try to drum up actually a different trade that they want to make um so and, and we don't have to rehash you know how Rudy Gay potentially fits or doesn't fit with this team. But I, I, I still, in the back of my mind, think that that might be more of what's going on here than an actual, you know, trade with, you know, Cameron Payne for Rudy Gay. So. I sure hope so. 
John, thanks for on <laughs> today. You can follow you on Twitter at John M. Ham. We can read your stuff on Bleacher Report. Great article yesterday from John on Bleacher Report. Go check out uh, his Twitter profile and click that link. It's really, really good stuff. Um, and we'll listen to you on the franchise. Anything else, John? That, sh- that should be plenty for now. All right, John, thanks a lot. Have a great day. Go get outside. Go get on the patio at Anchor Down. Yeah.